This morning we're going to begin a brand new series together entitled God's Not Dead. And uh, there was a great movie made and a great song made with that title. And uh, we just want to kind of borrow that thought uh, for the next few weeks. And, and the idea behind this message is really simple. If you're going to have a living faith, you're going to have to serve a living God. If you're going to have a living faith, you're going to have to serve a living God. And it is your revelation of the life of God, that God is not dead. Amen. God is fully alive in our world, in our lives, and he is really desiring and longing to work in you and through you and for you in a powerful way. And so we want to encourage you today as we kind of begin to get into this study, uh, we're going to hopefully be stirred up together over the next four weeks and we're going to see some awesome things about our God and we're going to hopefully answer some questions that maybe we have struggled with in our own hearts when it comes uh, to seeing God work or seeing God move in our lives and why he seemingly sometimes works here and other times doesn't work here. And so how do we kind of uh, sort through all that in a way that helps us continue to move forward in our relationship uh, with God? So this morning we're going to begin in Genesis chapter 16 and we're going to start in the seventh verse. And Genesis 16 is the story of Abraham and Sarah. And Abraham and Sarah, Sarah had a servant named Hagar. And in the, the story that we're going to read today, uh, Sarah has been barren. She's not been able to bear Abraham a child. And so after many years of trying, she finally has this great idea, right? She says, I'm going to give Hagar, my servant, to my husband so she can bear a child for me. Well, she does that. And uh, all of a sudden, immediately, how many of you have ever made one of those decisions and immediately after you made it, you knew it was the wrong decision? Uh, well, Sarah had one of those moments. Immediately she knew that was the wrong decision, right? That was not what I should have done in this situation. And so the Bible tells us that Sarah then begins uh, to become very cruel and very harsh and very hard toward Haggai. She begins to uh, really just become unjust toward her and begin to make her life literally miserable. And so we're going to jump into the story where the Bible says that Hagar, because of the harshness and mistreatment of Sarah, has ran away. She's decided, hey, I'm just going to leave Dodge. I'm going to get out of town and uh, I'm going to run from this problem. We're going to jump in in verse 7. It says, and then the angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. And the angel said to her, Hagar, Sarah's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah, she replied. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. And then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And the angel also said, you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears, for the Lord has heard your cry of distress. This son of yours will be a wild man, as untamed as a wild donkey. He will raise his fist against everyone, and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all his relatives. Therefore, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, You are the God who sees me. She also said, Have I truly seen the one who sees me? So let's look at that first point on your outline. So the thing I love about this story is we get this amazing image of God in this one little just nugget of scripture here in Genesis 16. Number one, we recognize that the Bible teaches us that God is alive, right? And God actually sees. Uh, Hagar named the place, the Lord God has saw me. God has saw me. And I love that little phrase, God has saw me. Because that's important. You need to understand today that God is alive, 
and God sees. But God doesn't just see your mistakes and your failures. And God doesn't just see your victories and your successes. God actually sees you. He sees you. And we live in a crazy world today, right? Because it is really possible, and we've all probably felt this at times in our lives. Have you ever felt like that people no longer saw you, they just saw what you did for them? Right? If you're here and you're a mama, right? And, and I, I promise you every mom in the room has experienced this. You've wondered, do my kids see me or do they see all the stuff I do for them? You know, do they really see me or do they just see a paycheck, right? Do they really see me or do they just see another meal on the table? Do they really see me or do they just see their laundry done and their clothes taken care of? Do they really see me or do they just see the stuff that I do for them? And you know what? Moms don't really struggle with that. Husbands and wives struggle with that, right? Every spouse in here has probably wondered somewhere along the journey, if you've been married for any amount of time, does my spouse really see me or is it just about all the things that I do for them. And the reality is, is we serve a God that sees me, Hagar said. He sees me. And guess what? He sees you. And we've all probably experienced the same feeling. Have you ever felt like not only did people not see you, but they saw what you did. But have you ever went even to another level where you actually felt like you were almost invisible? Like you really were so insignificant and so unimportant that if you showed up, it didn't matter. If you didn't show up, it didn't matter. Right? That happens at church all the time. People have this concept, well, if I come, it doesn't matter. If I don't come, it doesn't matter. Nobody misses me if I'm not there anyway because I'm really just invisible. I want you to understand. Sometimes people miss stuff. How many of you know sometimes people miss stuff? Right? I was talking with a lady this morning. She was talking about her husband. She said, yeah, I'm trying to figure out how I can get our refrigerator just to be one level deep, she said, because he can't see anything past the first level. <laughs> right? Last night, Kelly and I, we were in our bathroom. We had a little master bathroom. We were in there, and Kelly said, did you notice that I cleaned off all the counters and reorganized the bathroom? I said, I just did. <laughs> Looks good. Right? You know what, guys, sometimes, especially guys, sometimes we just don't see, do we, Darrell? We just don't see all the things that are around us. And sometimes, sometimes we all feel invisible. Sometimes we all feel like nobody really sees us for who we are. Nobody really values us for who we are. But I want you to understand what the Bible says about God. God's not dead. God is alive, and God sees. He sees you. Not what you do, not what you haven't done, not your successes, not just your failures. God sees you. Yes, he sees all that other stuff. That's kind of a sobering thought. God does see my success and God does see my failures. God does see my righteous acts and God does see my sinful acts. But at the end of the day, deeper than that, God sees me and God sees you. And here's an awesome truth. Not only does he see you, he loves you. He loves you just like you are, right where you are. Now, he doesn't want to leave you there, right, because he loves you too much to leave you in that condition. But God sees you and he loves you just as you are right where you are. And I don't know about you, that's kind of a comforting thought to know that God sees me. When I feel invisible, when I feel overwhelmed, when I feel like people don't care, I can know without a shadow of a doubt that God sees. He sees my good works. That's a good thought. Right? He sees my good works because sometimes we struggle with this idea. Have you, ever, have you ever been doing the right thing and doing the right thing and doing the right thing and doing the right thing, but you're not seeing the right results yet? And sometimes you begin to wonder, is it even worth doing the right thing? God, I've been doing this for years. 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 
You know, most of the time we're like, God, I've been doing it for three hours. What's happening here? You know, but I mean, but sometimes, you know, sometimes, right, really, really, you've been, Lord, God, I've been doing this. I've been doing this. I've been doing the right thing. I've been doing the right thing. I've been doing the right thing. I'm still not seeing the right results. I'm still not seeing the things I desire to see. I'm still not seeing the things you promised. But, Lord, I'm doing the right thing. Is it, is it really, really worth, worth it, God? And God just simply says to you today, I see. I see every good work. And the Bible says God sees every good work and he is faithful to make sure that he will not be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. There's a reward coming. There's a result coming. There's a promise coming. And you can know without a shadow of a doubt, if nobody else sees, and if you even feel like it doesn't even matter anymore, God sees. God sees. And God will reward for the faithfulness that you've had. But not only does it, does it say that God sees in that scripture, but what we also hear that God hears, right? He said, he said, I want you to name your son Ishmael, which means God hears, because God has heard your cry for help. How many of you realize today God actually hears? God hears your prayers. God hears your cries. God hears your sorrows. God hears the weeping that nobody else hears. God hears the groanings of your heart. God sees and God hears those things because God's alive. We're not serving a dead God that can't see and can't hear. We're not serving this idol, this little stone that we've stuck over here on the wall that said we're going to bow down to this thing. No, we're serving a living God that sees, and we're serving a living God that hears. Now, here's kind of where the struggle comes in. So the struggle kind of comes in, well, if God sees and God hears, then, then, then why? Then why? <laughs> right? Why have all these things that should have happened not happened? And why did all these bad things happen that I didn't want to happen? So if God sees and if God hears, then why? Well, we're going to answer that today. We're going to spend the next few weeks kind of breaking that down and, and, and processing that into our hearts and our lives. But we're going to get some revelation today. My prayer is we're going to get some real clarity today that's going to move us into a place of faith because God sees and God hears. God hears. We're going to talk about how we work through that process. If God sees everything and God hears everything, then how come, right? And you can just fill in the blank with your how come. Then how come this or that isn't or is happening in my life or in my situation? The last thing I want you to see before we kind of get to that direction, is that God speaks. God sees, God hears, and God speaks. And this whole little story right here, just these few verses we read, we, we realize that God saw Hagar, God heard her cry, and God spoke to her. Now, in this situation, God sent an angel, right? In the Bible, we find out God, there's, there, there are several occasions God actually speaks, not just angelically, God speaks audibly, right? I've never heard the audible voice of God. I'm pretty sure he sounds like Kelly, but I'm not real sure. But... Uh, uh, I'm, all you guys know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Uh, God speaks by the Holy Spirit. God speaks through circumstances and situations. God speaks through dreams and God speaks through visions. The reality is, is God speaks. And let's just be real honest here. In this room here today, before you were saved, before you were saved, before you knew God, before you surrendered your life to Christ, God was speaking to you. Right? Because you think about how many times in your life were you in that situation and you were about to do something you shouldn't do and you heard that little voice in your head say, don't do that. You heard that little voice in your head say, don't say that. Don't go there. Right? Don't buy that. Don't hang out with them. Don't, don't go there. Right? We all heard it. Every one of us heard it. Before you were saved, before you were a Christian, God was speaking to you. God was trying to intervene on your behalf. God was working on your favor. And, and the reality is, is unfortunately, most of us weren't responding very well to what God was saying. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute too. But God speaks. 
And the good thing is when you get saved, you get an opportunity to hear God speak even more clearly than you've ever heard him before. Now the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. You have the helper, the comfort, the, 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 the spirit of truth who Jesus said will lead you and guide you in all truth. We have the word of God that now begins to make sense. How many know God speaks through his word? Right? And then we get to just tap into all kinds of amazing things where we begin to hear and see God speaking and working in our lives. And so God is alive. So God sees, God hears, and God speaks. Now let's look at the rest of that statement together. God sees, God hears, uh, and God speaks. He is alive, and he is at work in the lives of those who are open to him. He is alive, and he is at work in the lives of those who are open to him. I heard Jack Hayford make this statement. Jack Hayford said, he said, God is actively involved in the lives of every person that is open to God being actively involved in their life. And I thought, what a great, simple truth. The reality is simply this. God sees, God hears, and God speaks, and God is alive, and God is at work in the lives of every person that is open to him, that is open to him. To him. Now, Hebrews, let me give you another scripture here. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 15 says this. What is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Now, here, here's the problem. So let, let's kind of get to the challenge and the problem. So the problem is, is we want God to see and we want God to hear. But when God speaks, we don't want to obey. We want God to see our need. We want God to hear our, pry, our, our prayers, our cry for help. But when God speaks, how many know that when you pray, God usually gives you an instruction for your petition? Right? You ask God for a miracle, and you know what God will do? God will tell you to do something. You ask God for a breakthrough, and God will tell you to do something. God answers our petition with instruction. God answers our petition with instruction. You remember Moses, the, 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 the Egyptian army were closing in. The Red Sea was in front of them. The army was behind them. And Moses is crying out to God, what are we going to do? And you know what God did? God said, Moses, stretch out your rod. God, I need a miracle. Stretch out your rod. God, there's a big old army behind me. Stretch out your rod. God, there's a Red Sea in front of me. Stretch out your rod. God, I brought two million people out here in the wilderness and we're all about to die. Stretch out your rod. God, don't you see how big the army is? Stretch out your rod. God, don't you see how powerful they are? Stretch out your rod. God, don't you see how much we need you? Stretch out your rod. When you lift a petition, God always gives an instruction. Always gives an instruction. So the problem is not that God sees, and the problem is not that God hears, and the problem is not that God speaks. The problem is that we don't respond. Look at that next statement, then we're going to come back and talk about, about Hagar. Your response, I want you to see this, your response determines God's involvement. Your response determines God's involvement. God initiates, but you must reciprocate. God initiates, but you must reciprocate. Your response and my response to what God says. God sees, God hears, and then God speaks. God sees, God hears, and then God speaks. God sees, God hears, and then God speaks. And God's word to you is the instruction or the direction for the petition that you have asked of him. 
Now the scripture said, do not harden your hearts as in the days of rebellion. Now let's talk about Hagar for just a minute. God's instruction for Hagar was return to Sarah and submit to her authority. Return and submit. Return and submit. How many of you know most of us don't want to return and submit? Most of us want to run and rebel. Right? Most of the time, instead of opening our hearts, how many of you know you don't... An open heart is an obedient heart. If you don't have an obedient heart, you don't have an open heart. Have you ever tried to counsel somebody that said they wanted counsel and then you counsel them and they weren't obedient to the counsel? How many know that if you're not obedient to the counsel, then you really weren't open to counsel? You were just fishing for somebody to tell you what you already wanted to do. And when they told, when they told you something different than what you wanted to do, you weren't open to counsel because you really weren't open for counsel. You were just looking for confirmation to do what you wanted to do, even though you knew probably in your heart of hearts that wasn't what God wanted you to do. But you could feel a whole lot better if some other Christian told you it was the right thing to do. Come on, preach it, Pastor Keith. And so the reality is simply this. The reality is it is our response. Instead of running and rebelling, we've got to return and submit. We've got to do what God says to do. Now you think about the situation. You think about Hagar. God said, I want you to return to this woman that's mistreating you and abusing you and taking advantage of you, and I want you to submit to her authority. And there is no clue in Scripture that Sarah ever changed her attitude toward Hagar. As a matter of fact, we find out later it gets worse. It gets worse, but you know what? God had a promise for Hagar. He said, I'm going to make your descendants beyond number. And you're pregnant with a child. His name's going to be Ishmael. He's going to be a man of war. And we all now, if you look at Middle Eastern history, Middle Eastern culture, we know Ishmael's still at war, hostile toward all his brothers. And Hagar had a nation because Hagar was willing to respond by faith and obedience to the word that God gave her. God saw her need, God heard her cry, and God spoke a word of instruction, and it was Hagar's response that produced the result of God's promise in her life. The short circuit in the situation is not that God doesn't see and God doesn't hear and God doesn't speak. The short circuit in the situation is that when, we, when God sees and God's here and God speaks, many times we don't respond with an open heart. Instead of returning and submitting, we run and we rebel. Think about your life. We talked about it a while ago before you were even saved. Think about how many times God tried to intervene on your behalf. Think about how many times he said, don't do that, and you did it anyway. And now you're saved, and many of you, right, Kelly and I, we had to dig out of a financial hole we got ourselves into because we didn't listen. We didn't respond with an open heart. It took us years to dig out of a hole we got ourselves into. And some of you right now are still digging out of some relational holes, some family holes, some financial holes. Because years ago, when God heard and God saw and God spoke, instead of having an open heart, you had a hardened heart. Instead of submitting to what God said, you rebelled against what God said and you did your own thing. And now... You're having to work your way out. And then this is what happens because here's the snare of the enemy is, is then we don't get what we want and, and we begin to blame God. Well, God, why don't you see and why don't you hear? And God says, well, why don't you obey? 
Why don't you see God? Why don't you hear? Why don't you obey? Why don't you see God? Why don't you hear? Why don't you obey? Because it is our response that determines God's involvement. God is as involved in your life as you have opened your heart through obedience to allow him to be. And he is an initiator. I mean, think about even now, as, as a Christian, God is initiating, God is initiating, God is initiating. He is speaking to you. He is prompting you. He is encouraging you. He is challenging you. He is, he is opening opportunities before you. God is initiating opportunities every day in your life. Little things like this. Have you ever heard the voice of the Lord say something like this? Don't say that. You know what God's doing? God is initiated. He, 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 sees, he sees the end from the beginning, and he knows if you say what you're about to say, it's going to produce things you don't want it to produce. It's going to cause a chain reaction of problems and difficulties and challenges. How many of you know one word can do that? One little word uttered out your mouth. One little phrase uttered out your mouth. One little text message uttered out your mouth. One little Facebook post uttered out your tweeting fingers here. can begin a process of chaos and confusion. And all the while, before you ever spoke it, uttered it, posted it, God said, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, don't say that, don't do that, don't say that, don't do that, don't say that. Why? Because God sees. God hears. And then God speaks. And if you and I learn to respond by faith, to the voice of God, you know what will happen? We will invite him into every arena and every area of our life. God will be as intimately involved in any and every arena of your life as you are open to. See, many times what happens is we have marital problems because we don't, we're not open to God working in our marriage. We don't want to love and respect each other. We don't want to submit and serve to one another. Right? We want to be right. I'm just telling you, being right is way overrated. It's just way overrated. Well, I want to be right. I'm right. I'm right, and I ain't going to apologize because I'm right. Well, you can be right and be alone. <laughs> or you can be mature and apologize. Leadership rule 101, learn how to apologize for things you didn't do. If you're going to effectively lead people, you better learn how to say, I'm sorry. I didn't realize it did that. I didn't realize I didn't mean that to come across the way it did. I'm so sorry. I love you. I appreciate you. I want to help you. Let's work together. Let's move forward. How many you know that works in marriage? Works with your children. Financially, God's not involved in many people's financial life because they're not open and obedient to what God is saying to do in their finances. Relationally, not only are our marriages struggling, our families are struggling. Typical relationships, co-working relationships are struggling. Why? Because we've heard God say, God said, God said, God said, and we just we didn't shut our mouth. We didn't do what we were supposed to do. We didn't walk away or we didn't engage when we were supposed to engage. And all of a sudden it creates this stuff. Now the good news is there's grace and forgiveness and mercy and we can begin to dig out of what we've dug into and God can bring you out a whole lot quicker than you got in there. Amen? He's a good God that way. But what I want you to see is that it is your response. It is my response. It is my response to what God says. God sees, God hears, and then God speaks. God sees, God hears, and then God speaks. And it is our response to what God says that determines how involved he's going to be in our lives. Luke chapter 1. We're about to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ 
Luke 1 is the preempting of the birth of Jesus. It says, Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I am a virgin. Because the angel of the Lord just told Mary she was going to conceive a child and she was going to have the Son of God. And she says, how can this be since I'm a virgin? I don't know a man. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Look at verse 38. And Mary responded. Mary responded. Mary responded. And look what she said. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Mary responded. How many of you know that Mary didn't have to respond the way she responded? Mary had a choice. Mary had an opportunity to submit to what God said or to rebel against what God said. We don't always think about it that way. We automatically assume Mary kind of didn't have a choice. No, Mary had a choice. Mary responded, and it was Mary's response that determined God's involvement in her life. Whether what God said was going to happen was not determined by what God said. It was now determined by what Mary responded to what God said. God saw, God heard, and God said. Now what's exciting about this story is all of a sudden you begin to realize that God sees and God hears and God says things to you that are not just about you. How many know what God was saying to Mary was not just about Mary? This wasn't about a virgin miracle that God was wanting to show off and say, hey, I can make a virgin have a baby. No, this was about the redeemer of all humanity being birthed into the world through a pure wound coming out of a virgin so he could be sinless and spotless and offer himself as a sacrifice for our sin. Sometimes God will tell you to do something that's not for you. Right? And you're like, well, Lord, this ain't going to help me at all. Why in the world do you want me to do it? Why do I need to go down this path? Why do, why do I need to go to this store? Why do I need to do this? Why do I need to go here? Why do I need to study that? Why do I need to pray this? God, this doesn't, this doesn't even affect me, Lord. It's not even on my radar of how I'm living my life. So, God, why should I even do this? Because God said, God sees and God hears. And then God speaks. So when God speaks to you, guess what God is doing? God is initiating something and inviting you to get involved in the work of heaven on earth in something that can be a lot bigger than you because God is thinking generational. See, God sees your kids. And God might set you on a path in your 60s that's going to transition something in your great-great-grandkids' life that wouldn't be transitioned if you weren't willing to be obedient when you were 60 years old and changed course and pursue God in a way like you've never pursued Him before. And when you're 18 and you're 15 and you're 22 and you're starting out your life, guess what? What God is doing in you is not just for you. God is wanting to position you in a place so that your children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren can be set up for something that God is desiring to do that's bigger than you and bigger than your generation, but God is inviting you to be involved in what he wants to do in the earth. And that's huge. That is a sobering thought to me. And if Mary would have rejected what God was wanting to do, today we'd be talking about the virgin Susie. Right? Because Mary had a choice. Praise God, Mary responded with an open heart and said, Be it unto me, Lord, as you have spoken. Now let's look at our last point. I want you to see this. So faith 
is always the right response. Faith is always the right response, and without faith, God's work is limited. God's work is limited. God's not limited. God's still God whether you believe or don't believe. But God's work in your life is limited by how you respond to him, and an open heart is an obedient heart, which is a faith-filled heart. Faith without works is dead. Faith is always the right response. When God sees, and then God hears, and then God speaks, his instruction and his direction is intended to accomplish his will and his plan in the earth. And faith is always the right response. And without faith, God's work is limited in our lives. I want to give you a couple of scriptures. Mark chapter 6. Jesus is in his, in his hometown. And the Bible says, And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Look what it says. And because of their unbelief, Jesus couldn't do any miracles among them. Jesus couldn't do any miracles among them. Now, Jesus did miracles everywhere he went. But when he went to his own hometown, because they didn't open their heart, they hardened their heart. Right? They didn't open their heart. They hardened their heart because they said, hey, you're, you're Joseph's son. You can't be the son of God. You're Joseph's son. We know you're daddy. Right? You can't be the son of God. You're a carpenter. I got a table in my house you built. You can't be the son of God. We saw you grow up. You can't be the son of God. We know your brothers and sisters. You can't be the voice of the Lord speaking, crying out the truth of God in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation because we know who you are and we know where you've come from. And they hardened their hearts. And the Bible says he could not do any mighty miracles among them. Was there something wrong with Jesus? No. But their unbelief limited what they could receive from God. Their unbelief limited the involvement that God could have in their life. Now this is what's sad. There were people in that village that needed a miracle. God had saw their need. God had heard their prayers. And God had sent Jesus to speak a word into them. But they couldn't receive what God had for them. God saw, God heard, and God spoke. But instead of opening their hearts and receiving Jesus, the living word, they hardened their hearts and rejected the word. And what happened? The miracles didn't happen. The breakthroughs didn't come. The deliverance came short. Why? Because their response. Not God's power. Not God's will. Not God's plan. Not God's desire. Their response. To him determine the results they experience. Let me give you two more scriptures. Psalm 78, verse 41 says this. Yes, again and again, speaking of the children of Israel in the wilderness, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Hebrews 3:19, speaking of those same people, says, So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. They limited God. And they could not enter into the promises of God or the promised land that God had for them because of unbelief. It wasn't God's power. It wasn't that God didn't see it. It wasn't that God didn't hear. God saw, God heard, God spoke. But their response to what God said, instead of having a submitted heart, they had a hardened heart. Instead of having an open heart that was receptive to what God was saying, they had a hardened heart that rebelled against what God was saying. 
And as a result, even though God had a promise for them, they couldn't enter into it. Even though there was rest for them, they couldn't enter into it. Even though there was provision for them, they could not enter into it. And it wasn't God. It was their response to God answering their prayer. When you lift a prayer, God gives an instruction. Your petition produces an instruction that requires, here it is, that requires faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Your petition produces an instruction that requires faith. And when you respond by faith and obedience, guess what happens? God does what God says He will do because He is faithful to His Word. Our response changes everything. I want you just to bow your heads this morning. I want to do two things. I want to begin with just every person in the room here today. Every person in this room here today, whether you're a Christian, whether you're not a Christian, every person in this room knows there are there are times, number one, in your past that God said and you rebelled against Him. Well, all we can do about the things that are in our past is we can ask God to forgive us for those things, and He will. But right now, in this room, there are some things that God is saying right now to you. And some of you have been procrastinating. You've been pushing it off. You've been trying to step around it. God says, return and submit, return and submit, return and submit. And you're wanting to run and rebel. You're wanting to run and rebel. You're wanting to run and rebel. And God says, stop running. Stop running. Stop rebelling. Submit your heart to me. Submit your heart. Do what I said to do. Say what I said to say. Return and submit. Because your response to him determines how involved God is going to be in that area of your life. And I'm just going to tell you, I have found out there's not one area in my life that I don't need God. I need God in every area of my life. And so in every area of my life, when God sees and God hears and God speaks, I've got to respond by faith and be willing to be obedient in every area of my life. And sometimes it's big things, but I found out most of the time, 95% of the time, it's little things. It's little changes, little adjustments. It's bridling my tongue and then opening my mouth when I should open my mouth. It's those little things that God says along the journey that keep me in that place He has for me. So this morning, if there's an area this morning that you know that you haven't opened and submitted, you have hardened and rebelled, let's change that right now. Let's ask God to forgive us. And let's turn to Him with an open heart this morning and a submitted heart that says, Yes, Lord. God, I thank You that You've saw my need. I thank You that You've heard my prayer. And I thank You that You've spoken into my life. And today I say, Yes, Lord. I'm going to return and submit. I'm going to do the thing you've asked me to do. Lord, even if it's hard or if it's difficult, even if it goes against my flesh, God, I'm going to do it anyway because I know that your will is the best will and your way is the best way and you desire nothing but good for me. And I want to do that. So right now, I want you just to do business with God. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Keith, I've never really surrendered my life to Jesus. And I've had lots of questions and maybe I've answered some of those questions, maybe I haven't. But I know this this morning. I believe that without all my heart that God sees you. And God loves you. And God has heard your cry and he's heard your questions. And God has spoken today. And his word to you simply is this. To come. Come to me. 
Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. He says, and I'll give you rest. Come to me, and I'll forgive your past, and I'll give you a brand new future. That's his invitation to all of us today. He's called us to himself. And if you've never truly been saved, you've never really given your life to Christ, and today you say, Pastor Keith, I want to open my heart to God, maybe for the very first time. I want to submit to him as my Lord and Savior. I want you to do something really, really simple, but really brave. I want you just to stand to your feet all over this auditorium. Today, I want to open my heart to God as my Lord and Savior. I want you just to stand up all over this place. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Well, Pastor Keith, why do I need to stand up? Because an open heart is an obedient heart. And faith without works is dead. God wants you just to take a simple act of faith. Nobody's going to look at you. Nobody's going to think anything about you. But this is for you. This is between you and God. This is your response to what God is saying. And you hear Him in your heart right now. And you know right now, I need more than anything. I need to stand up. I need to stand up. I need to ask Jesus. I need to open my heart to God today. If that's you, we're about to pray together. I don't want you to miss this moment. This is your moment. Just to be real with God and open your heart. Pastor Keith, what do I got to lose? Well, you don't have anything to lose but a bunch of sin and shame and struggle and heartache and pain. What do you got to gain? Everything. The hope of a brand new life. The hope of a heart that has been lifted. The weight of sin has been lifted and the, and the grief and the shame of yesterday is gone and a brand new beginning to love Him. So right now, I'm just going to count to three and we're going to give you an opportunity to stand. If you hadn't stood, we're going to close in prayer today. One, this is your moment, right? God sees Two, Jesus is calling you. He has heard your cry. Three, he's spoken today. He's spoken today. If you stand to your feet right now, somebody's going to slip something into your hand, and we're going to pray a prayer together, but that packet that they just put in your hand is just to help you take those next steps. You're not alone. You're now part of a spiritual family. We want to help you. So if you're standing or if you want to stand, let's pray this prayer together, and I'm going to ask everybody to say it out loud with me, every head bowed, every eye closed. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins rose again on the third day and is now seated at your right hand I open my heart and my life I turn to you today and I submit my life to your Lordship Jesus you are Lord of my life today and every day as I commit to follow you. Forgive me of my sins and give me the gift of eternal life. I receive it all today by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Amen. If you stood to your feet and received one of our packets today, we're going to ask you just to fill out the card on the front and just hand that to one of our ushers on the way out. Uh, or if you're visiting with us today, we'd love to meet you in the very back in the cafe area in our first-time guest area. We have a gift for you today just for being with us as our guest. God bless you. We love you. Take your Easter engager. Invite somebody this week, and let's begin to pray and believe God to do a mighty work. Amen?